This podcast is being recorded on the traditional land of the Blackfoot Confederacy. This consists of the Kainai, Pekani, Siksika, and the Blackfeet in the U.S. We acknowledge the Stony Nakoda, which consists of the Bearspaw, Morley, and Chiniki. We acknowledge the Satina, who are Dene, and the Métis, Inuit, status and non-status from all of Turtle Island, and those who are visiting. We are all treaty people. Welcome to the Voices in Recovery podcast, brought to you by Freedom's Path Recovery Society in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Thank you for tuning in. Please remember that these are opinions that are shared are those of the individuals and not of any agency, organization, or other entity, unless otherwise specified. Also, if you're a minor, please check with your parent and or guardian, as you need to have permission to listen to these podcasts. We will potentially talk about violent subject matter, sexual content, and difficulties human beings face on their day-to-day lives in recovery. Yeah. Dude, if you're going to go nuts, go nuts. Absolutely. <laughs> mm-hmm. No James Hatfield. Yeah. <laughs> is, is that what he did? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of like that, actually. If you if you do that after everything you say, that would be pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to run a marathon. Yeah. <laughs> That's an interesting question. <laughs> you know what? It, it's like the uh, anytime anyone asks you something, that's mm. an interesting question. That's right, right? Yeah, <laughs> or fascinating. It's fascinating. Yeah, I'm fascinated. <laughs> I, well, I am kind of fascinated by your desire to run. I am fascinated. So am I. Yeah. <laughs> um, are we ready? I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure we'll discuss that. Like, <laughs> I think we already are discussing it. Perfect. Yeah, he he's turns the mics on now so he can catch us being jerks. Well, that's and then he can basic. Yeah. Well, for later. Blackmail away. <laughs> so tonight, tonight, Richard, thanks for coming, man. Um, no worries, brother. Really appreciate it. And I, I'm not going to ask a whole lot of questions. You're not going to have sure. to pretend that I, that they're interesting. <laughs> so for sure, you tell us your story because I I think your story is incredible. Cool. Um, yeah. Anyway, go ahead, dude. Yeah. Um, my name's Richard. Um, 44 years old, uh, straight white male. <laughs> I like that. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, let's just start with all of it. Yeah. Um, I've been sober since February of 2012. Congratulations. Man. Um, I attended AA. Dave was my sponsor for um, first four or five years of my recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, I no longer attend AA. I no longer consider myself a member. I don't like using the term alcoholic. I have a substance use disorder, which mm-hmm. is the current medical term. I attend smart recovery mm-hmm. and life's wonderful. So I kind of like as a background there. Yeah. Um, um, for me, more interesting is the, the, the kind of the journey along endurance sports and fitness, which mm-hmm. for me right now is the number one thing I do to keep the brain from spinning completely out of control and um, for my sobriety, for, mm. for, for living a happy, healthy, sober life. <clears throat> um, I'm a little beat up today. I uh, did a 61-kilometer ultramarathon this morning called the Run for Water. Why mm-hmm. um, 61K? It's kind of a weird number because 61 million people don't have access to clean drinking water mm. in Ethiopia. Yeah. Uh, so it was a fundraising effort. I raised a few hundred dollars 
I think collectively they raised about 80 grand here in the city for a couple of villages in Ethiopia. That's great. Uh, it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, and the funny thing is, is if you would ask me in November last year, I wouldn't have considered myself a runner. Mm. Um, I was a triathlete. I'd done an Ironman. I'd run a marathon off after doing an incredibly long bike ride. Mm. But I swam and I biked and I ran because I had to. Um, so I'm, I am hobbling around up the stairs as Dave can, uh, Dave can attest to when I came in. I almost gave you my cane, dude. Thanks, dude. I appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> um, so as I said, I quit drinking in February, 2012. Um, and, uh, was a pack a day smoker for, I don't know, the, the, at least the end of my, my drinking. I don't remember when I started. I started at 20 or something, 20. We'll, we can discuss that later. Yeah. Um, anyway, I, I quit smoking about a year after I quit drinking. Mm -hmm. um, I read the book, The Alan Carr, The Easy Way to Stop Smoking. Um, quit overnight. And that was that was a great, that was the second great life decision I made. Mm -hmm. um, then, so that, so that would have been May of 2013. Um, in, in December of 2013, so I had been, you know, sober nearly two years at this point and, uh, had, uh, you know, six or seven months without a cigarette. I remember getting out of the shower one morning and I was a 39 year old man. Um, I was fairly active. I work as a waiter. I, I, I was by no means obese or fat or, mm. but I remember getting out of the shower and looking at myself in the mirror and looking and not liking the way I looked. Mm. And I remember thinking that I didn't look as good as I did in my mid twenties. And I also remember thinking that I was never going to look as good as I did then, which I didn't like already mm -hmm. if I didn't do something. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I spent a day or two kind of figuring out what that was and uh, decided that uh, I liked the water, but I didn't particularly like running mm -hmm. and I still don't like lifting heavy things. Um, so I decided I was going to go swimming three days a week. Mm -hmm. Um I remember going to the city of Calgary pool and being able to swim two lengths and then, you know, stopping and gasping for air. Like I was going to die. Yeah. And, uh, then I did the breaststroke for a couple lengths. I could do that for about four lengths before I was gasping and was about to die. <laughs> There's a lot but, of almost death here. I, I, yeah, it yeah. really, anyway. Um, but I kept going, <clears> right. <throat> um, I, I realized that getting up at, five o'clock in the morning and going swimming was also something that doesn't work for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I work in the hospitality industry. I'm a waiter. Um, I work, you know, a lunch shift would be 11 to two. And if I work dinner, it starts at five. So I have this beautiful block of time between two and five in the afternoon when swimming pools tend to be fairly empty because most people are working. So mm -hmm. that worked for me. So I fit that in and, uh, over the course of about a month, um, with persistence, I, I got up to being able to swim, uh, 1500 meters a mile. Wow. Um, and I did that, every, I did that three, four days a week, occasionally five days a week. I did that for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, my, my clothes started fitting better. Uh, my girlfriend at the time commented that, you know, she noticed a, a difference in my body mm -hmm. that, that 
I didn't see yet, uh, but I felt better. Um, and that was great. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Christmas 16, um, I, I don't remember exactly why, but I was watching some cycling race on TV. It might've been a, a, an old tour de France or whatever. And um, it looked like fun. Bicycles looked like fun. So I decided I was going to buy a bicycle. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was December and people don't generally in the city bicycle in December. Um, except for the cops. Well, yeah, except for... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That looks like a cool job though. Let's be fair. I'm not going to lie to you. It looks pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so I uh, decided I was going to buy a bicycle. I, I went to a spin studio. I decided if I'm going to ride a bicycle, I should probably do a little bit of like pre-exercise, you know, mm. kind of get used to riding a bike so that I, again, don't die first time I get on a bike. So I did that. Um, I was working at a really high-end restaurant downtown, Celebrity Chef. Um, and one of the guys in the kitchen was a triathlete. So he convinced me that I should do triathlon with him um, in May of 2017 end of April, beginning of May. I don't remember the exact date. And uh, I I was like, dude, I haven't owned a pair of running shoes since I was in the army mm-hmm. at 22 years old. And the race is in two weeks. Like, dude, you're a better swimmer than me, a better biker than me. You're in decent shape. You can do this. Okay. So I, I went to Mountain Equipment Co-op. I bought a, a pair of Nikes for, I don't know, whatever it was. And went running three times and then did a Olympic length triathlon that weekend. Um, I wouldn't recommend this. Um, <laughs> the swimming and biking part were, were, were fine. They were easy. I, you know, I, I, I could do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the running part wasn't so good. I, uh, I might've hurt more than I did today. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to imagine that, what that ooh, would look like. Ooh, dude. <laughs> um, but I got hooked. You know, and uh, so I did another another triathlon three or four weeks later, uh, just local local run, so kind of support that grassroots. And uh, then I decided eight weeks before I was going to do a half Ironman mm. because there's a half Ironman here in the city of Calgary. Again, this is not something I would recommend. I would recommend that you take a proper training program, you know, train for 13 weeks, 20 weeks, you know, properly set out so that you're achieving what you can. But I didn't know any better and I don't like (laughs) doing things halfway. Mm. Um, But I finished and loved it. Loved every second of it. Mm. Um, and then that fall, so fall 2017, I decided I was going to do an Ironman. Mm-hmm. Uh, this time I got smart though. Um, this time I, I decided I was going to get, uh, find a training program. There's a training site where you can, you know, coaches will, will put a, a training program, you, how many hours, how many weeks mm-hmm. you've got properly structured so that you're recovering properly. So your body's, you know getting stronger, but you're not going to get injured from overuse Mm. and all that stuff. Um, And I committed 12, about 12 hours a week 
for six months from January or February of 2018 through to August. Mm. And I went to Mont Tremblant, Quebec, and I did an Ironman, uh, which they, they show them on TV. It's a 2.4 mile or 3.8 kilometer swim, whichever units you prefer. 112 kilometer, or sorry, 112 mile or 180 kilometer bike ride. Wow. To give you an idea on that, that is like biking from downtown Calgary to Kananaskis and back. Uh, and then you run a marathon mm. and you do all of that in under 17 hours. Wow. It took me 12 hours and 50 minutes. So Good for you, man, comfortably what, what, what we kind of call mid, mid pack, you know, average, 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 mm -hmm. you know, um, not the guys who are racing to win, but I'm also not struggling to finish. Yeah. Like the average finish time was like 1245 and I was 1250. Yeah. So right in the middle. Um, and that was fantastic. Uh, and, uh, it's. Training, training for stuff, whether you're training for a marathon or for an Ironman or, or anything, is a lot like recovery. Mm -hmm. um, it is doing a little bit every day. Yeah. And, and it's not like there was one set workout that was the workout that pushed me over the edge so mm -hmm. that I could finish. Yeah. You know, the same way with recovery – you know, there are certainly breakthroughs mm -hmm. that you have, but there's no one day where it's like, if I hadn't had that work that I did on June 5th, mm -hmm. I wouldn't be sober. Yeah. It's not like that. It's, it's about doing a little bit every day, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, take a day off occasionally because you need to, you know, rest, but it's that brick by brick building mm -hmm. the wall and training for a marathon or an Ironman is the same way. Mm -hmm. And that realization was, wow, wow, that's, that's, you know, I, I kind of knew that. You told me that. I'm sure lots of us. <laughs> yeah, lots of people tell me, you know, but, but. No, but I mean, lots of people told me too, right? Yeah, yeah. but, but like sometimes you have the realizations mm -hmm. and, you, and you have to kind of get there yourself. Mm -hmm. And there's a big difference between kind of knowing it and like having that click where you know it in more than just uh, uh, an intellectual way, but you kind of know it in that, in your, in your heart, in your mm -hmm. whatnot way. And, and that was, you know, at, at six and a half years sober or seven years sober, I kind of really had that click. Mm -hmm. And uh, so many things in life are like that. Yeah. You know, whether you're changing careers, whether you're, you know, any kind of growth or change, it, it it's not about that big change. Mm -hmm. It's about doing the little things every day. And uh, they say that, 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 you know, doing an Ironman will change your life. Mm -hmm. Did mine. For sure. You know, and I'm a, not near where I want to be, but, you know, I've taken more steps for changing my career in the mm -hmm. last few months than I did probably in the six, 10, 15 years before that, mm -hmm. you know, I, I'll even say, let's say six years since I got sober. Cause the drunk years, we, we, we won't count those cause you know, getting wasted was more important than changing careers. Yeah. But you know, if I kind of go from 2012 through till 
October 2018, I didn't do an awful lot for changing my careers, but I, sh- I sure talked about it a lot, mm-hmm. um, as you can, I'm sure, yeah. testify to. <laughs> for sure. Well, for sure. But then, like, while you were talking about that, other things were transpiring for you. Oh, right? 100%. Yeah. With, without a doubt. And, and, and I, you know, but, you know, in the last few months, you know, starting application process uh, for the Calgary Police Service, started, you know, filling out some of those forms that you need and some of the qualifications and the first aid and the this and the that. And it's frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I can, and some things I got to wait for, yeah. you know, I, I just finished a first aid course and I had to wait for that because I had to have the time to do it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's a piece of that brick puzzle I got to do this. This is going to be on these days. Good. I can kind of mentally check that off on my list mm-hmm. and get forward. And uh, it's a it's a pretty big, at least for me, it's a, mm-hmm. a pretty big realization that little by little, step by step, getting yeah. to where I would like to be isn't just, you know, you don't just wake up and it's done. You have to, mm-hmm. you know, do a little bit of work every day to get there. I think that's the trick, right? Is to realize that we like you do if you want to get somewhere, you have to take steps every day, right? Yeah. So one of the things like I there's a couple there's a lot of things I respect about you. Um one of them is like the unwavering your unwavering approach to you trying to get better throughout like one way of life then into another. Right. So we have um now I have I know sort of why you went away from AA, but only sort of. And what I think is important about that is lots of things. But one of them is there's people who go away from AA every day. Absolutely. For lots of different reasons. And maybe it's just as simple as it wasn't working for them. Right. And that's possible, right? Absolutely. Um, So in your, what was your experience like in, in getting to a point where you decided to do something different? Okay. Well, I, I'll start with when I when I when I walked into an AA meeting, um, I certainly wasn't religious. Mm-hmm. Um, I w- without knowing the term, and you're going to excuse me. I'm going to get into a little bit of philosophy here. Sure. Um, I was a deist. Mm-hmm. That is, I, I believed in a god who created the universe, but didn't do anything. You know, he 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 kind of like the Big Bang's going to start right about there. Okay, my job here is done. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let everything go and, you know, be good. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that term, but that's basically what I believed. I, mm-hmm. I, you know, it sure wasn't a God that you prayed to and, you know, you know, mm-hmm. he, you know, turned water into wine or, 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 or stuff. Um, when I got into AA, um, you asked me to, to say all these prayers and do all these things. And I did them because I just wanted to not drink. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and all I knew when I went to my first AA meeting is the first step was to admit you had a problem. Mm-hmm. And if you wanted to quit drinking, go to AA. And that was literally the extent of my my knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that. I guess I got a problem. I guess I got to go mm-hmm. to, to a meeting. Um Turns out it was a little bit more complicated than that, but that was the basis. Mm-hmm. So you know, I, I went to I went to AA. I uh, I met you. Um, 
you told me to to write this stuff down and you know I, I mostly did that most of the time it took me a little longer than it should have and you gave me shit for it but I, but i got to. it written down yeah and you told me to say these prayers and to you know say this and that and mm-hmm. do this every morning uh, okay mm-hmm. <laughs> um but after a few months kind of cliche but the fog the fog lifted mm-hmm. you know and suddenly and I, I don't know when this happened but you know it was definitely within the, like the first year mm-hmm. the fog listed and i and i started realizing that i had for for me and i'm not saying this is for anybody else but for me mm-hmm. i had to give more serious thought to this god idea mm-hmm then, you know, you don't have to define it. You, you know, you can use a doorknob, what, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, you can use the universe, all, all the stuff, all these, the, these ideas that you hear in the rooms. I realized I had to give it more thought than mm-hmm. that for me. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I started looking, um, I, I found books like there's a book called the little book of atheist spirituality, that I, that I own, um, by a French philosopher whose name I forget. Um, but, but I started exploring these things. Mm-hmm. Um, I also met or introduced myself to, uh, a gentleman at what was my home group that, you know, David mm-hmm. Beatty, um, who's been sober now f- about 14 years. Um, uh, and, was a very open atheist. Mm -hmm. And I talked with him and he was a little reticent when I first came up to him, but you know, I kind of explained that I had, you know, some Mm -hmm. questions and ideas and we're to this day. I mean, I see him once a week for coffee on Sunday mornings and you know, we, we, we talk about everything but recovery, but Mm -hmm. it's about recovery. Yeah. Right. You know, talk about cars and sports and this, that, and the other thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but, these people and, and the online community, the online community, there are, you know, forums, Facebook's great. Online recovery is wonderful. There are groups for people who are questioning, you know, recovery without God or mm-hmm. AA without God. And I, I, I met virtually some important people. There's a gentleman, Mark C who lives in Texas, who's one of the smartest dudes I've ever met. And I, I I've never met mm-hmm. him in person, but met in that online persona way. Yeah. Um, but, and, 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 and Mark C has been sober uh, 10 or 11 years now, mm-hmm. a couple of years ahead of me. Um, but, but I met these people and there's Don S who lives in Des Moines, Iowa, but, but these people showed me that you can do this mm-hmm. without a God. Yeah. Which, you know, I had kind of discovered, I, I definitely don't believe in one. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I, I kind of went through the angry. I'm going to read all the Dawkins and Hitchens stuff. I, I think everybody does. I, I still enjoy them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that they they're right in a lot of ways, but they were angry atheists. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I try not to be that way. But but I have my days. And sometimes I just want to watch, you know, Hitch or, or mm-hmm. Dawkins unload on somebody or I'm gonna, I want to unload on somebody. But I, I try not to. Um but they showed me this. Mm-hmm. Uh, sh- th- these online forums and groups and books, 
showed me that it was okay to not believe. Mm-hmm. These these online people and David here showed me that you can get and stay sober mm-hmm. without God. And you can seemingly be very happy with it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I mean, you don't have to be. I mean, there are people who aren't and there are people who are the same as, you know, people in AA, kind of normal AA. There, there are mm-hmm. people who are happy and seem like their life's great. And there's people who are miserable assholes. 100%. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we all know plenty of people at both of those camps. We sure do. <laughs> um, but that was that, that, that showed me that, that it was okay. Mm-hmm. And I belonged. And uh, as a result, um, I, I got hooked up with a couple of other people here in the city. Yeah. And I helped start uh, an, an agnostics group called mm-hmm. We Agnostics here in the city of Calgary. As far as I know, they're still meeting on Monday night. For about two years, that was the only AA meeting I'd go to. Yeah. You know, and uh, we read from uh, one of the secular books. Um, oh, shoot. I'm completely blanking on it. I can't. Anyway, anyway, one of the one of the the the, the books, and and it was it was wonderful. It was it was very practical, very hands on. Mm-hmm. Um, around this time, one of my coworkers, um, with whom I had partied and done a lot of drugs and drank with, um, who bounces in and out of recovery, mm-hmm. bounces in and out of sobriety, um, told me about smart recovery, so self management recovery training. It's uh, CBT based uh, here in the city. So mm-hmm. I wanted to check it out. Yeah. And uh, again, it was really practical, hands-on, get through the day. And I also discovered that a lot of the the tricks that I had figured out, you know, how to, you know, get through in my early recovery, they had names. Mm. They taught these things. Um. That I just did them because I figured out, you know, very early in my recovery, I had to walk by a liquor store every night. Mm-hmm. So I would distract myself and I would call somebody while I was walking by the liquor store so that my feet didn't automatically program to the back to get a bottle or a case. Mm-hmm. And they taught, you know, distraction when you have that urge mm-hmm. or whatever. Distraction's a very valid and useful tool to get you through that moment. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, this makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I spent a couple of years doing both yeah. and I, I thought that was wonderful. Um, but AA still, even, you know, kind of secularizing it, I still had this problem with, you know, well, was I really powerless? Mm-hmm. I, I made some bad choices. Mm-hmm. Uh, they some of them were were almost instinctual yeah but i wasn't powerless because i could make a choice today mm-hmm. not to and i could do things today to ensure that i don't drink today mm-hmm. um and as long as i do those things every day mm-hmm. build the wall brick by brick i'm okay and it kind of like bothered me mm-hmm. like the, the, the kind of the whole framework 
and uh, framework like how so? Well, kind of this and this framework that powerlessness, um, and also this idea that I had to rely on something mm-hmm. to keep me sober. Where you know it appeared to me I was doing work every day, building that brick by brick wall. Mm-hmm. You know, to kind of use that analogy, um, and what this was, and I didn't believe in a God still mm-hmm. don't. Um, but what, what, so what's doing this? I mean, this group of people that I rely on and friends and, and interconnection is great, but, but it still felt a little bit like a bit of a stick waving mm-hmm. solution. Um, but I, I was sober, so it's working and that was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then one of the, people that I had met in some of these online forums Mm -hmm. uh, was a woman uh, who lived in the United States named Megan M who's been sober about the same amount of time as I have uh, a little bit less perhaps Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, she works in the hospitality industry Um, we hit it off online and uh you, you know, she had some, you know, one of the things I admired most about her, and I still do, is the fact that she uses her voice to stand up for people who don't have a voice and mm-hmm. stand up and, you know, scream for, you know, for, for people who are oppressed, you know, minorities, whether it's the LBGTQ community you know, she stands up for other women. She's an outspoken feminist. And she really made me start examining me mm-hmm. and examining ways that unknowingly I was helping with that oppression. Mm-hmm. Not because I was a bad person. I just didn't know. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I had, I started to, really evaluate what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we, we still speak occasionally. Uh, we're, we're not very close um, anymore. But that relationship that we had was very important mm-hmm. in showing me how to be as good a person as I can. And, you know, I I, I try really hard to to use my privilege as a, a straight white male mm-hmm. uh, to, to, to do the same, just to, to stand up and shout for people who I see oppressed, whether it's, you know, the indigenous communities, whether it's people of color, uh, the LBGTQ community, mm-hmm. uh, women, all of it. Right. I'm still not perfect. I get it, but I, I, I try really hard, you know, and to, to, to stand up and use my voice for mm-hmm. these people. And, one of the things that we we discussed was trauma. Hmm. Um, you know, whether it's sexual, physical, etc., hmm. and and how that interconnects with addiction. And so many people, you know, hmm. you, you know, have you know 
for, for, for women, a lot of them have rape and sexual assault in their, their, their drinking stories. Um, you know, physical or sexual abuse by, you know, parents or other authority figures and, and, and the men do too. Mm -hmm. Men do too as well. Um, not everybody, but, but a lot of them do. And then it all started re the, the kind of my, a lot of my problems really started crystallizing hmm. with AA. Um, and making even even if making a thorough moral inventory searching and fearless moral inventory mm -hmm. so i try to remember the exact wording on that taking me a second too yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> um with with so many people having a, a abuse and trauma <clears throat> and you know they were bullied even i mean i mean mm -hmm. all these things in their stories even if you have the best sponsor in the world mm -hmm. who is really being so careful with you to make sure that you're aware that you have no part in mm -hmm. this, like if you're abused or whatever, you have no part in this. Even mm -hmm. if you have the best sponsor in the world who is really working through that with you, you're still forcing someone to relive. That's trauma work. Mm-hmm. That's trauma work. And that should be done with a trained therapist. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't go on with AA after that kind of that realization. Yeah. Once I had that realization, um, yeah, I mean, I got bullied in high school. I have a little bit, but like, I'm not, I'm not going to play that yours was worse than mine. I was worse than yours, blah, mm -hmm. blah, 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 blah. But I, I will freely admit that, you know, I, I don't have the huge piles of it. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone got bullied a little bit, you blah, blah, blah. But once I had that realization that even, even with a sponsor who is being so careful and mm. so caring to, to help you work through and realize that you have no part mm -hmm. in some of these traumas, even reliving and forcing them to go through that is trauma work. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, there are sponsors who aren't, aren't that gentle and caring you know, and you actively try to force people to do it. I, yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. So once I had that realization that in my mind, that process mm -hmm. is broken. I mean, it has to be done. I, I fully believe that on you, some level, yeah, on some level it has to be done, but this is a level that needs to be done carefully with a trained professional mm -hmm. and not I, willy nilly yeah. and not willy nilly. Yeah. And, 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 even even the most caring sponsor who's mm. being as careful as possible with few exceptions mm -hmm. aren't trained for that. Yeah, it's true. Um, so, I, I mean, at that point, that was broken. Yeah. And at that point, I had to, for me, walk away from AA. For sure. And that was, that was it. And I think since then I've been to one meeting. I think I went to see uh, Rob, Rob J, get his six or seven year medallion. Mm. And I think that was the last was a year and a half. So it was six years because he's been sober a little bit longer than me. Mm -hmm. um, that yeah. was the last AA meeting I've been to. Yeah. Um, and I still attend Smart Recovery. Mm -hmm. I still do stuff every day 
whether it's an online discussion on a secret group on Facebook, Mm -hmm. whether it's looking at the stop smoking subreddit on Reddit, whether it's having coffee with David on Sunday, Mm -hmm. where we talk about, you know, NASCAR and formula one and, you know, his last latest trip to Denver, which has both nothing and everything to do with recovery. Mm -hmm. Um, I still do stuff every day or whether it's going for a, 61 61 kilometer ultra marathon Mm -hmm. um and that's the important bit you can't just not do something Mm -hmm. for your recovery yeah so but that's the truth right it doesn't matter what it is right it just and i think that a lot of um well first of all i I, when you mentioned that a, a few months ago you mentioned that about the step four right yeah when we were chatting and it it has stuck with me since then. Yeah. Like it's been in my head ever since then. And since then I've been more careful not to put my slant on it, right? So right. try not to give people my slant from what I I can tell them what happened for me. That's all I can do. Yeah, of course. Right? Because what's happened through the years is I've seen people do um really good fours and fives, really thorough, really like heartfelt. Yeah, like, of course. And um, and the result of that is supposed to be freedom, right? Like right. that's well, what, what clued me in is because 10 years ago I was asked to start listening to fifth steps, right? Yeah. So I listened to them. So many of them, I can't tell you how many I've listened to. Yeah, of course. I, but the, the key of that is Richard is that it, it makes, if we're not willing to like open our brain to new information as it becomes available. Right. right. And I'm, I'm not going to speak for you, but I know for myself, one of the difficult things I have with AA on a regular basis is the fact that people who are supposed to know don't realize that the science has changed. Yes. Like, and, and not, and I don't mean like religiosity out the window. Yeah. doesn't matter because if a person believes in God or doesn't believe in God, they can be a good human. Like, well, yeah, we, we, we know we, this is possible. We know this is true. We, yeah. we, we can both point to believers who are good humans and, and bad humans and, yep. and non-believers who are both. We, yep. we, we both can do this very easily. Exactly, right? And so I think the key, though, you said this a long time ago. You said the boat is very big. Yes. Right? And so, and that stuck with me, too. So um, when I'm telling you that I have respect for you, I mean it. Because right. uh, this this big boat idea that... I don't know how many years ago you suggest you said that in a meeting and you weren't saying it to me. You were talking in general, I think. Um, But that has stuck. So we have to be able to understand that when some people can't do a four, right? When someone's begging us to say, look, this is like, I can't look at this stuff. What are we going to do? Right. Right. Like not as AA as a whole, because who cares? That's their business. That's got nothing to do with me. Right. Although it wouldn't be a bad idea to see some new, maybe a new addition. I, with a new doctor's opinion. I, without a doubt, without right? a doubt. At least yeah. that. Without a doubt. We, yes, I, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying that answers all the questions. Right? No, there, but, there, there's, 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 there's many of them. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the boat is big. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the, the other methods, I mean, refuge recovery which is a, a Buddhist-based recovery that meets a couple of times a week. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, I'm a big fan of online forums. I think that you can make meaningful relationships and meaningful connections with people, you know, that are, you know, virtual. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I don't think that 
we should discount that, those connections. Not at all. Um, you know, there's, you know, medical assisted uh, treatment, whether it's for opiates mm-hmm. or alcohol. These are, you know, the, the, the Sinclair method. You know, these are very valid treatment mm-hmm. protocols that have, you know, incredible success rates. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we, we need to look at those things. Yeah. The boat is big. And that's exactly how I like how I felt when you said it, right? Originally, yeah. it was like not just people fit in the boat, but all these different ideas fit in the boat. Absolutely. Right? And they can be used like to our betterment if we allow ourselves. Without to be a doubt. Um, I, I really, you know, I, when people ask me about not drinking, oh, you, mm-hmm. you know, I don't drink. It's usually the extent of my. You you know people offer you a drink or hey let's go for a beer after mm. work. I don't drink. Uh, I retired a few years ago. That's mm. generally as far as I I offer. Yeah. Um. You know, and if, if people poke, uh, yeah, you know, I drank. I, I spent a decade, you know, keeping Jack Daniels and Molson Canadian in business. Mm. <laughs> um. <laughs> Specifically, yeah. But yeah, you know, and 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 then I retired. You know, but people ask me. The one thing that. I try to do mm. is I, I will tell them what worked for me, but I want to tell them everything, mm-hmm. all the ideas. Mm-hmm. And I want to tell them that in addition to these, go look on the internet mm. because what worked for me may or may not work for you mm-hmm. and may or may not work for your friend, you know, and just because it worked for me, doesn't mean that it will work for you. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there's Life Ring, uh, which is in Vancouver. I try to go to a Life Ring meeting whenever I go out to Vancouver, which mm-hmm. I haven't in a couple of years. Um, I, I am a firm believer in physical fitness and exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, smart recovery is the the, the cornerstone for me. Uh, refuge recovery, online forums, mm-hmm. AA or 12-step. You know, without even scratching the surface, uh, you know, getting a, you know, depending if your your work has, you know, you know, counseling or therapy with a with a trained professional addictions mm-hmm. counselor, um, these are all great tools. And anybody who asked me, how do I stop drinking, or I think I have a problem with my drinking, mm-hmm. um, these are things I'm going to tell them. Yeah, because I want them to try it all. I want them, you know what? And if it doesn't work for you, cool. Try something else. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm harm reductions. Another thing, which I know mm-hmm. may or may not. I, I'm a fan of harm reduction. I am a fan of harm reduction. Um, I, I admit to not knowing as much about it mm-hmm. um, because I, I chose abstinence. Um, I, I, I should do more research on the harm reduction side. Um, but I, I admit that that's that's a topic mm-hmm. area that I don't know as well. Mm-hmm. But you know, but really, it sounds like harm reduction is basically just about reducing harm, right? Absolutely. And I mean, like, like, I, and I'm not telling anybody what to believe, but like, when a few years ago, when I was involved in doing funerals for, I was doing yeah. lots of funerals yeah, for re- people who were that. like us, right? Yeah, yeah. And one of the family members of of, of a departed 
said, uh, said to me, if only we could get our heads out of our asses on harm reduction, my brother would still be alive. Absolutely. Right? And so that shook me up. And it, it does yeah. every time, of course. Because of course. of course, like in the beginning of my sobriety with AA, as you know, like abstinence is king. Absolutely. Right? And and that's fair because yeah. I need abstinence from alcohol. Yeah. No doubt about it. I've already proven myself incapable, right? <laughs> of drinking appropriately. Absolutely. So, and, 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 and at this point, I don't even want to try. What's the point? Right? Exactly. Yeah. You know, I mean, if, if I look, if I take a completely rational viewpoint, mm-hmm. I've been sober seven and a half years. I've done a bunch of work on myself. I have this pretty great life, you know, yeah, I could go have a beer tonight and I'm not calling the guy and buying a bottle of Jack Daniels tonight. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that's not going to be the case. But I, I don't want to. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. I don't even want to try because even if it's a one in a million chance that I have like a beer and, you know, like five minutes later, I'm in the liquor store buying a buying a 40 a Jack. Mm-hmm. Like even if there's a like a one in a million chance of that happening, that's too much. Yeah. Right? So I don't even like – not interested. Mm-hmm. Not interested. So, but what you've done though, like what I've seen you do, and I'm I, again, I don't mean to like put that on you, but what I've seen is that regardless of, um, oh shit, it just happens to me all the time. <laughs> this is this is a result of trauma. Um, the brain just stops clicking. Right? Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> what were you? What were you just talking about? Uh, one in a million chance of you know having a beer and mm-hmm. you know and, yeah. and doing work, harm reduction. The, the harm, the idea behind harm reduction is is to try not to die. Yeah, right? so absolutely. And I know that you know there's this right now, especially with the new political party in power, that there's going to be potentially taken away the harm reduction sites, like the clean, like the, the, the safe the clean, injection, safe sites. injection. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so, what people don't understand though is that if we make it so people have to be abstinent yeah. in order to get help, we are absolutely going to kill people. We're going to yeah. kill more people than we can than we can even think of. Right. We won't know it because we won't acknowledge it. We won't take responsibility for it because yeah. the government doesn't have to. Right. Right. But those of us who are here who know people who are also struggling, right? Yeah. I, I don't know about you, but I've known several people through the years that probably could have benefited from harm reduction. Well, you know, I mean, even even people who aren't ready. To stop, you know, even people that still want to do a little blow or, you know, maybe, may, you know what, maybe they recreationally do a little blow mm-hmm. on the weekend at a party and it doesn't ruin their life and good for them. Mm-hmm. Even those people shouldn't die or, or shouldn't be risking their lives mm-hmm. because their stuff is cut with something. Exactly. So if we can yeah. e- even testing. Mm-hmm. testing kits. And, and I mean, I know you can buy them online, but these should be more available. Mm-hmm. Um, I just did a, a first aid course and we had a brief thing about Narcan. Mm-hmm. Not, not naloxone? Yep. Yeah. Yep. You know, uh, here it is, right? I mean, you know, with fentanyl and carfentanil and, and, and the opiate crisis. Um, so let me ask you a question. While you're doing the first aid, this might help some people out there for sure. who don't know any. So when you're doing the first aid, yep. do you stop and ask the person who's dying whether they're worthy or not before you help no. them, or do you just fucking help them? We just fucking help them. That's right. That's what we're well, supposed they, to do. Well, okay. So remember that 
if someone's conscious mm. and they're and they're choking or they're bleeding or they've got mm. a broken arm and you know you've got a splint in them, whatever, one of the things you're taught is you know you identify yourself as a first aider and you're here to help. Mm-hmm. But if if the person doesn't want help, you don't help them. Mm-hmm. But as soon as they are unconscious, that is implied consent. So mm-hmm. if somebody's you know that's implied consent to help them, not to rape them. Yes, just in case, because yes. there's some guys out there that are fucked. Yeah, so, this is very true. Yeah, you know, yes, we we, we can all Sorry, the story Sam. the story about the swimmer that will remain nameless from a couple mm-hmm. of years ago who only did what three months in prison or something like that. Yeah, not that we will mention any names. No names. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure you can find that story on the internet if you really wanted to. Yeah, look it up. Yeah. <laughs> I believe the last name was Turner. <laughs> <laughs> That's Possibly, as as- I can either confirm or deny. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, you, you know, if someone's unconscious or or, mm-hmm. or or you, you know, somebody's passed out, you don't, you help them. Yeah. That is what you're taught to do, mm. you know, and, and if you have Narcan available, yeah. um, you administer it as it says on the instruction mm-hmm. sheet. Um, and Narcan's free. With no prescription, no ID, nothing, you go into any um, mm-hmm. drugstore and they will give you mm-hmm. a Narcan set, right? Yeah. Which if you're using opiates, you should have. Yeah. Because who knows? Or if you're buying shit from people you don't know. <laughs> Even if you're buying shit from people you do know. Yeah, because they might not know. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Right? So, yeah, as you say- people shouldn't die yeah and I, they're I, people are people yeah well that's just it people are people regardless right right like, absolutely. And, and we're we live in a part of the world where we can actually do that right where we yes we actually have the ability to help right? yes we're not scrambling for bread we're not doing that shit well we're not right? we're not yes. we're not there are obviously our people in our country that are yes but 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 i mean even even the people in our country who are scrambling and struggling Mm -hmm. you know are doing a lot better than a lot of other people other places in the world we're incredibly privileged to be you know white males Mm -hmm. to be born you know in you know the the western world western europe north Mm -hmm. america we're incredibly privileged to be born north of the 49th parallel right now um these are all, all yeah. this is all privilege that we have mm-hmm. and we can use that to, to help others. Yeah. You know, people who are struggling, people who are struggling with addiction, mental health issues. We are supposed to use it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's funny because I, well, we, we just did a course on, uh, it's called Wellbriety, the medicine wheel and the 12 steps. Cool. Um, we went out to Rocky Mountain House. Yeah. I saw something on your Facebook about that. I didn't. Yeah. It was, it was really cool, right? Like the idea is for me was one of the things that happened to me was I just realized how fucking ignorant I am. Right. And by ignorant, I mean, ignorant of my own position. Right. Right. So like just an example of it was there's some, some people are looking for space to do a group, right. To do a, a a broken mending, broke mending, broken hearts group, which is about, I'm assuming about all the trauma the indigenous population has. Yeah. It's it's, it's terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. Right. So, Initially, I was like, oh, like I'm thinking, well, I'll try to make space at my church. Right. Right. Then, of course, my partner, Heather, who is Métis, 
she says, are you sure that that's a good idea? And I was like, no, I'm not sure. But like, why isn't it a good idea? (laughs) That, that, and that, that, that question is the key. Mm -hmm. Um, And going back to my relationship with Megan, the Mm -hmm. American, the woman that I mentioned earlier, as long as the questions you ask were not meant to deflect the conversation Mm -hmm. away and are really heartfelt and thoughtful, Mm -hmm. those questions are important because that's how we grow. Mm-hmm. You have you and I have a different set of experiences than 100%. Megan or your partner or my current partner have, you know, or 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 people who are living on the streets mm-hmm. and are struggling with opiate addictions. We have a different experience than they. Yeah. And if we ask them, or, or any oppressed group or any mm-hmm. any any marginalized group, if we ask them heartfelt questions, and we listen, mm-hmm. that's how we grow, and that's how we can. Mm-hmm. change our viewpoints and go, ah. Yeah. Eureka. Ding. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that that's the, the biggest thing that I've learned, whether it be inside AA or outside AA, is once once we can be open yep. to just simply being wrong, right? Like, and, oh. and I just, I love the fact that um, as time goes on, we can actually do that. Right? So when certain people like fires in our asses, like that Megan you're mentioning, yeah. I remember seeing all of a sudden the talk started and there was a fire under your ass, yeah. right? Something was lit and that's wonderful that she inspired that, right? Absolutely. Go ahead. But no, no, I, I was going to say, but but you asked your partner, Heather, mm-hmm. uh, if it was a good idea yeah. and she said no. Well, she didn't even say no. Okay. What she said was- I just want to hear the rest of the yeah, story Yeah, she, <laughs> she, said, she said, maybe ask Darcy, this Darcy. Oh, okay. She goes- cool. Maybe ask Darcy and then she goes and just consider. And this is how like, this is why I don't understand why why some people have to learn by being sworn at and shit because I don't have to be. <laughs> I, I don't learn that way. Yeah. I learn when, when Heather or anyone is like, no, no, no. We're not punishing you for not knowing. We want to answer your question. Absolutely. Right? And, and that was the biggest out of that. Like th- those, the biggest thing that happens is when people actually say, okay, Dave, we, we recognize you're a little ignorant, so we're going to help you. Yeah. Right. And I don't take being ignorant as a fault. God, no. Because there's so much I don't know. Of course. Right. Like, so it was so nice. And she said, well, maybe ask Darcy, but consider the fact that a lot of the trauma that's going to be addressed in this group could potentially be directly related to a church. Absolutely. As soon as she said it, I'm like, Ding. Exactly. But I still had to ask Darcy because yep. she would have checked if I asked Darcy. So I asked Darcy and he relates a story to me from someone else who said, if it was me, I would never go into a church. Of course. For any reason. Yeah. That too set off another light bulb in my head. I'm like, ding. Like, why would you fucking want to? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, the, the, the oppression that yeah. the, the indigenous community has suffered from the protestant settlers coming over mm-hmm. is mind-blowing and mind-blowing mind-blowing and mm-hmm. i mean i i don't even I, I i will completely profess to knowing nothing of it me too yeah but i also recognize that it's mind-blowing mm-hmm. and continues to happen yeah um i i would i completely understand and completely agree yeah e- even even with my 
ignorance of the fact mm. I, that, that that little kernel that I know is enough. Yeah. And it, it's so funny because when I thought of it, I wasn't thinking of it in terms of that, obviously. Of like I wasn't saying, well, we should open up the the church and then be able to punish people when they come no, in. No, no, no. You just wanted to offer them a safe space. Exactly. But then I realized as they told me, that's not necessarily the safest space to Absolutely. offer. Right. And I'm thankful for that, man. Like, 100%. I'm, I'm so thankful because if, if you hadn't come along, and I mean that without, with all due respect, and I'm not trying to like blow wind up your skirt, but if you hadn't come along into, into the process of not just me, but others as well, yeah. um, it, it does, it makes it possible to remain ignorant. Absolutely. Unless you have people pushing your, your boundaries, right? In terms yeah. of what you think you know. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I mean, I, I'm grateful for, you know, the, the women and, and people like you in my life who push my boundaries. Mm -hmm. Um, and the realization that it doesn't necessarily have to affect me for it to be wrong. Yeah. And that, that was, you know, I, I, that's, you know, yeah. that's huge. Mm -hmm. Like I, I can stand up for the, stand up for the little guy. Mm -hmm. you, you know what I mean? To, to use the, the, use a terrible cliche, but you know, it, it, it works here. Yeah. Well, it totally does. Yeah. When you have so. people who have no voice, right? Like, and that's the thing. Or, or yeah, or their voices severely muted. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, it occurred to me this week with this training and just how like, how off base I had been in terms of how, how much that must affect to be hated for who you are. Yeah. And that, and that is like something that I can't get my head around how we could ever do that to people. Absolutely. Um, but we did it and we do it. And yes. not me, not you, but it happens. Yes. And we, we try, okay, well, I try very hard not to. Yeah, I, I, I will also admit that I, and I am sure mm -hmm. that without knowing it, I, I, I do still occasionally do that. Yeah. I, I try very hard not to, um, but I'm willing to admit that I probably do mm -hmm. occasionally and I try not to. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I do the best I can. Me too, man. And it's funny, like the best, I think the best remedy, and this is obviously science now has proven that outside of our home is where we get the most teaching, right? Yes. By our peers and stuff like that. 100%. I, and I'm grateful for that because today the peers that are around us are the kind of peers that are actually going to encourage us to open up. Yes. Right? And course. be more, you know, like Megan or, or Heather yeah. or Darcy or Samantha. Um, there's... Because there's people, every person that I encounter today yeah. is a teacher. Not always the best teacher. Okay, yeah. But they're okay. teachers, right? <laughs> Sometimes they teach you what you shouldn't do. Exactly. And that's, then, that's my point, right? Yeah. Is we course. can learn from that because there's always teachers, yeah. you know? Um, dude, is there anything else you want to talk about? What time are we at? Uh, Hour? Anything else you want to talk about? What would you tell yourself? If you could think back to a moment, maybe a catalyst, what would you tell yourself to get you through like if you weren't quite ready but you might be getting there oh boy um god that's a that's a really hard question um you know and i recognize there's no magic bullet I, right yeah there, there there's you know i don't i i think you know, working on the self-esteem, which is an entire another topic that we could spend another hour sitting here talking <clears> about, <throat> um, you know, not good enough, not smart enough, mm -hmm. what not whatever enough, yeah. um, you know, but just keep 
doing a little bit every day. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, training for a marathon or an Ironman or an ultra, it's about doing something every day. Getting better is mm-hmm. about doing something every day. Yeah. Um, and that is the key. Perfect, um, man. Well that's, said. That's the one, that's the one takeaway that I have. Right on. Something every day. Yeah. I like it. Um, one of the things, the, uh, one of the facilitators at SMART uh, used to say 30 minutes to three hours a day mm-hmm. on your recovery. And three hours, you're like, my God, that's a lot. But, you know, you get ready, drive to a meeting, go to a meeting, sit in a mm-hmm. meeting for an hour or whatever, stand outside, have a couple of cigarettes and talk to the guys, go home. It's about three hours. About three hours, yeah. You know, so 30 minutes to three hours every day. Yeah. Um, and yeah. That's sound advice. 30 minutes to three hours every day. Yeah. If you want to get good at shit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, read, read, crack open, crack open your smart recovery workbook, crack open the refuge recovery book, mm-hmm. go to the stop drinking subreddit, um, go on to Facebook. There's online, there's groups, secret groups, some of which are terrible, some of which are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, read a post or two there, click on a link, read an article, you know, open your big book or 12 by 12 if you do the AA thing. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever. Yeah. Like there's lots of different things you do every day. Right. But if you do a little bit of that every day, you call a friend, go for coffee with a friend. Perfect. Something. Right on, man. Thank you so much, Richard. Cheers, bro. Appreciate you, man. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in this week to the Voices in Recovery podcast. Please stay tuned every Wednesday as we air another episode. Thank you for your time. And please, if you're in trouble, reach out. If you need to contact us at www.freedomspathrecoverysociety.ca or you can look for us on Facebook under Freedom's Path Recovery Society. Thank you again for tuning in. Please stay tuned for upcoming groups, activities, and podcasts.